On the show today, I'm joined by three very special guests. First up is British comedian, you've seen him on Mock the Week, and a range of other fantastic shows, Tom Allen. Then, I'm chatting with supernova guests and uh, acclaimed voice actors, Troy Baker and Nolan North. It's going to be a great show, don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the brand new episode of Benjamin Mayer McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I couldn't be more excited to have these wonderful guests with me on the show today. First up is Tom Allen. Now, Tom is in Australia at the moment for some comedy shows. He is currently at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival, where he is the next, I think, 10 or so days. And then he heads over to Sydney for some shows there. So go and see Tom live. He is a wonderful comedian, and I loved chatting with him today. And then on the show, I've got uh, Troy Baker and Nolan North. Now, they together have a show called Retro Replay, and they'll tell you all about that. And they're doing that show live in Australia, in Melbourne, and in the Gold Coast as part of Supernova, though it is a separately ticketed event. They will then also appear at the convention and do regular panels and things. But first up, here is my chat with Tom Allen. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, Tom, and thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I should think so. Uh, no, thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted. Now, Tom, what inspired you to pursue a career in comedy? Good question, Benjamin. Well, um, I think it was a distinct lack of any other talents. And um, also, I really like talking. And people said to me, you should try stand-up. I think they were basically saying, you talk too much, uh, looking back. But I've always quite enjoyed telling stories. And um, I quite like stand-up because you sort of can create little worlds and you can do little sketches. And it's all quite... um, it's all, it's all quite, uh, um, you know, under your own steam, and it can be quite fun to sort of have that experience. So I, I, um, I do that. Really. Yeah, that's what I do. Um, and uh, uh, and that's, that's sort of sustained me doing it so far. And how did you make that happen? So people told you that's what you should do. What kind of training or practice did you undertake? Um, the thing with stand-up is there's no real shortcut, I realize. I mean, I've been doing it 14 years, just over now, um, and I would safely say for the first mm, probably uh, eight, ten years, I was pretty rubbish. And um, and then you just sort of learn to get better um, just by doing it. And I always challenged myself to do it in as many different environments as I could and to um, sometimes feel very frightened and just do it anyway. And um, you learn from the good ones and you learn from the bad ones. And eventually, I think, as well, being a stand-up, I sort of realized the battle is to be a happy person in some way or at least a confident person and secure. It's bizarrely sort of a contradiction in its sense that it's it's like you've got to be confident in your insecurities so um so the battle is some in my experience anyway has been to to find a way to be content with that and to be content with like you know one's fallibilities as a human being and you sort of try and bring that to the things you talk about on stage and people go oh there's another insecure person oh that's nice i don't feel so alone and people i think laugh because they go oh finally <laughs> i'm not the only one who thinks that or who feels that sort of um you know, insecurity or notices something or, you know, those kind of moments. So, um, but it's learning that and, and learning to put that in practice that I think is the skill. It, it, it's, in my experience, taking time to achieve that. And you talk about finding that insecurity or whatever that the audience can relate to. How do you make sure that you give enough of yourself personally to the audience without revealing too much or revealing information that could compromise your career? 
Um, I don't think you can really. I think that's the thing with stand up. It takes everything. Like, um, it takes, there's no, you can't really be like, oh no, that's my private life. I don't like to talk about that. I think, in my experience anyway, you have to be, you have to sort of be quite vulnerable, I think, and lay yourself fairly bare uh, in a way that allows people to go, Oh, there's a human being. So it's a very human um, thing, stand-up. We laugh because it's like another person being a true person. I think if you just put up a side of yourself, or if people, if audiences detect it's a character, it's not real, or it's, um, it's, it's not authentic, then I think audiences feel like, oh, um, like they're not, that, that's not, that they don't connect with it as much. I think that's what they feel. I think that, um, in my experience, anyway, um, it's, uh, it, it kind of takes everything. Sometimes you, you, you're you a heightened version of yourself, but I think that's just about performing. I think it still has to be rooted in who you truly are. And you mentioned that you learn from the good gigs and the bad gigs. What's one of the worst gigs you've ever done? Oh, good question. Um, well, well, um, there have been... Um, there be what's the worst gig I've ever done? Mm, I mean, ones where I once did a gig where it was like a gig for a company. It was a Christmas party, and I was on after a musical act, which is a nightmare anyway. Um, because audiences are like, "Oh, music, dancing," um, and then the, a comedian comes out and goes, "Listen, you have to listen to me." Um, and then in the middle of it, they open the buffet uh, in the next room, so they started serving food, and literally like 350 people just ran out. <laughs> But it was quite early on in my career, and despite it um, causing um, quite devastating insecurities, uh, it did make me stronger going forward. And obviously you've done comedy all over the world. Do you find that there's a difference in what audiences receive well, depending on where you are? Um, No. Well, yes and no. But like I said before, I think that it's all about it's all about um, uh, being yourself. And I think people, wherever they are, connect with that. And I think sometimes it's just the case is, sometimes you have to be aware of references if you're talking about something that doesn't exist in in Australia or whatever, uh, a brand of biscuits that, they don't, that isn't available here, then you just have to explain it, I think. People are very open to understanding one another and they're naturally curious about one another. You just have to kind of sometimes guide them across the threshold into your world and, uh, and sort of just do that, maybe that little bit more explaining sometimes, but I think ultimately people understand one another. They do connect with one another, sometimes more than we um, give human beings credit for, I think. Um, human beings are able to understand and have empathy with one another in every way. Um, uh, And I think that um, it's trusting that, really. Mm. And I want to talk about how you craft your set. Do you start from just brainstorming? Do you go and do an improvised gig and then see what works and then expand it from there? How do you write your show? Um, I tend to have some ideas I want to talk about and some rough sort sort of skeleton skeletons of a routine and I find if I go on stage and just talk that kind of spontaneity actually drives me to say more and to describe more and to to sort of go into it more and that's what I find I write my best things 
things, I think, because there's something about that interplay with the audience there. I think something about stand-up as well. It's very much about the people who are in the room and, 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 and how you kind of feed off that and how you, you sort of go with that. It's kind of... Um, for me, it's always stronger if you have a bit of improvisation with it. For me, I, I don't sit down with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, this is a joke, here's another joke, here's another joke. Like the idea of like typing up a story or a routine from nothing um, would terrify me. I think I have too many uh, angry voices in my head telling me I'm rubbish to be able to do that. But if I'm on stage, um, I'm too preoccupied with, um, with, with trying to create the story for the audience there, so I don't have that so much. And do you think that what is classified as comedy is changing at the moment? Um, I think it's always changing and evolving, which is exciting. But I do think it's in a, a really exciting time at the moment because I think people are aware of the fact that it's it's basically just about talking and it's about rhetoric and it's about exchanging ideas and experiences. And I think that... Um, I think that's really thrilling, and I think that um, as part of that, new people are coming to watch it, and also new people who, like, wouldn't have done it before, who would have thought that it's not for them, um, are getting up on stage and doing it, and I think, happily, that um, comedy is becoming a forum where there's, there's broader representation, broader diversity, and long may that continue. I think what's great about comedy is there's room for everybody, because it's all, only about your experience in the world, and 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 so there's there's always space for um, new stories and new experiences. So um, I think that's exciting. Um, you know, occasionally, sometimes an older person will say to me, like, oh, do you think comedy's too, too PC? Is it too politically correct? And I always feel like saying, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think, um, I, th- I think that comedy is a bit more... I, th- I think good comedy has always been kind and it's always been about understanding one another. Um, and I think that's not, there's nothing new about that. I think if comedy is sort of used as a, as a means to point and laugh at people, then like, that's never, for me, that's never been something that's ever made me laugh. Um, I think you always want to feel like it's kind and that you're, feel, you're watching somebody you feel the feelings with um, and, and you feel generous about and you feel like you want to understand one another. So I think it's, um, I think it's, if, if, if it's changing towards being more empathetic and more, yeah, empathetic and have to have more empathy, then I think that's only a good thing. Yeah, it certainly is. And I did want to talk about quickly Mock the Week, which is a wonderful UK panel show that uh, viewers can regularly see you on. Oh, do you get that in Australia? I never know what's shown in Australia and what's not. Yeah, we do get Mock the Week here in Australia. Oh, nice. So tell me a little bit about taping that and being a part of that. How across politics and the news do you have to be to actually make that funny? Um, fairly across it. I mean, if you don't know what the story is they're talking about or you don't completely understand it, sometimes the best response is just to go, I don't understand what this is. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So um, it's... Um it, it, it's, uh, it's, but I think naturally, I think we're all aware of it one way or another. And I feel like um, uh, having, you know, having an opinion on the news is something we're all, we all sort of probably do from social media and stuff, whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know. But acknowledging that um, we all do and feeling like you can talk about it on some level, even if you relate it to your own life or whatever, then, um, then I think that's... Uh, that's 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 that seems to work as well. I think we all process the news in different ways, but um, yeah, you don't have to be an expert, but it's good to know a bit about it. 
And uh, speaking of news, you're out of England at the moment. How are you feeling about Brexit? Is it something that you can laugh at, or are you just sort of sitting in a room crying, not wanting to go home? Um, well, having done a lot of topical panel shows and stuff in, in the UK, I, I, I feel like we've talked about Brexit to the death. Um, but i also aware of, like, it, it, I'm interested that it's sort of a news story here. Um, but it's, uh, for me personally, I feel, feel that um, what's, what's sad about it is that um, I, I voted to stay in the European Union, um, and I think, but I think a lot of people voted to leave because they were uh, they'd had six years of austerity, and I think they trusted people when they said that voting to leave the European Union would mean that there wouldn't be such a um, uh, an austere sort of government, and, and things wouldn't be so difficult. Um, but I, I think that people who promised that weren't being completely genuine or, or weren't able to deliver it, and I think. It was looking. I think the campaign was fought very cynically, really, um, and uh, and so I think it's a it's it's a very complicated issue, and um, and there's a lot of I feel a lot of sadness around it, if I'm honest. So I don't tend. To, I don't. Sorry, I don't have a very pithy. People are listening to this going, oh, it's supposed to be a Canadian, didn't make me laugh. But I sort of feel like um, it, it doesn't really have. I, I don't really know what to say about it, really, other than it just sort of feels like a. Um, a sort of sad state of affairs, and I hope it's rectified in a more, I hope it's in a more humane way mm. <laughs> than it seems to be at the moment. So, uh, as you said, you're a comedian. We've been talking about comedy, other than that, uh, slightly less uh, less than funny uh, Brexit topic. Where can people <laughs> see you, uh, both in Australia and around the world, in the coming months? Well, you can see me in Melbourne at the Greek Centre um, until. Um, about, about the 23rd or the 22nd and then I'm coming to Sydney at the end of the month for four shows um, and um, I'm very excited about both of those places it's a, I, this, this is the first time I've done my own show in Australia so um, I'm just doing Melbourne and Sydney at the moment um, and I, I've been I've got some very nice but sort of slightly annoyed messages from people um, saying why aren't you coming to Perth why aren't you coming to Brisbane um, well I'd like to uh, I'd like to do that next time um, but um, this is it's very it feels like a real treat to be here in Melbourne and they're going on to do uh, the, the show in Sydney at um, Thatcher's Cider House um, uh, at the end of April. Um, just because uh, I, I did my show around the UK and I did about 183 dates and it was fun and now I've, I feel very thrilled to be able to bring it here. Mm. Well, we're very excited to have you here in Australia, Tom. Now, before we let you go, what is some advice that you'd offer to comedians looking to get a start in the industry? I don't, well, I don't. Uh, I think um, if you do your first gig without anybody else there, um, don't you know? Friends will be like, "Oh, welcome! You're going to do stand-up? Welcome!" No, tell them to go away. Um, they might mean well, but they're sort of they they won't understand what it's like to be up there. So go on your own. Maybe take one friend who you really, really trust, who will be supportive of you no matter what. But beyond that, don't, and feel like you don't even have to tell anybody you're doing it. Just have a go. Um, for me, I think it's about telling a story. Um, tell a story and make sure there are things you think are funny within that. And keep doing that. Keep writing. 
keep trying things and allow yourself 10 years to be rubbish, mess up, um, realize it, it doesn't matter if you're not perfect. Uh, as I say, I think being a stand-up, being a comedian is very much a battle against negativity. You want to bring joy and laughter and, and, and you want to fight the sort of critical voices outside your head and inside your head. And I think um, be kind to yourself and be generous to yourself and allow yourself to make mistakes and, and grow from that. That's my, oh my goodness, I mean, I'm like some sort of self-help book, aren't I? But that's my advice. You're the, you're the comedy god of wisdom. <laughs> I don't know about all that, Benjamin, but you know, I've got some opinions, that's for sure. <laughs> and that is what it's all about. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure talking Thanks with you. Thanks for having me. That was the lovely Tom Allen. And do seriously check out his shows if you are in Sydney or Melbourne over the next couple of weeks. Now, here's Troy Baker and Nolan North talking about their careers and retro replay. Enjoy. Welcome to the show, and thank you both so much for joining me today. Good to be here. Or, you know, good to be heard down there. (laughs) Now, Nolan and Troy, you guys are wonderfully talented actors, and you also have a show called Retro Replay. How did you guys first meet? Oh, man. Nolan and I have been working together on, on several different games, and, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit I was a fan. Yeah, he's a fan of mine, and I, I let him be my friend. <laughs> uh, no, and, and uh, you know, it's a small community. VoiceOver in, uh, is a small small community, and um, I, I think, if, you know, we've known each other for a long time, uh, always been friendly, but I think... Uh, it was Uncharted Four's press events. Yeah. We got to travel a lot more, got to know each other better. Our, our wives met, um, and it was. Uh, it, we, then we started doing conventions and different sort of uh, events where we would be teamed up to speak together. And there was a, just a, a, a you know, a, 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 just a, a great chemistry between us where we could uh, really. Uh, we enjoyed the the panels as much as the people who were there, and uh, the natural progression eventually came to just coming up with this idea where we go play games together and talk and uh, and share that with uh, with our, our subscribers. And how did you settle on video games? Obviously, you both voice characters in video games, but how did you center your show around the idea of you guys sitting and chatting and playing games? <laughs> Man, I don't know who can answer that question. I mean, like Noah said, when we were doing the, the press tour for Uncharted, if if you don't enjoy the person that you're on the road with, that tour can be really rough. Um, and I think we're at the Langham Hotel in London where we just we found the hang and we found that each other was a good hang and that we're, we're all about the hang. And if the hang isn't the hang, then the gig is just a gig. Um, but the, the backdrop of, of video games was kind of a, uh, I, I think that was just a, a call from our, uh, from each of our individual and mutual fans. I mean, people knew us yeah. from all the work we had done separately and together. And, you know, we we saw other people. My kids will watch guys doing, uh, you know, playing our games on online. And people say, you know, you guys should play. You ever play your games? And one time, I just we just somehow it just kind of evolved that, hey, what if the two guys who are known for voicing the games play games? And uh, I hadn't played for years. Troy was uh, pretty adept at it, and 
decided to teach me and help me, and we someone just decided to put a camera on it, and and uh, here we are talking to you. <laughs> And you are doing a couple of live retro replay shows in Australia uh, in the first couple of weekends of April with uh, Supernova. What can audiences expect at those live shows? Yeah. Man, the beauty of this is that we call it a live show. It's retro replay live. What is going to happen? And if anybody has ever watched an episode, they know that's how we kick off every episode is with Nolan saying, what is going to happen? And it's just as beautiful <laughs> as Bob Ross would call it, a happy little accident. One, uh, one episode, we were playing Ghosts and Goblins, and Nolan was quite frustrated about a per, uh, particular part of the game. Yes, and out of frustration, he said, what is going to happen? <laughs> I, was, I was between what is going on and what is happening, and I lost my mind. And, and the, the fans picked up on it, thought it was funny, and now you can get it on a T-shirt. I mean, they, <laughs> they demanded it. Uh, so we decided to take that same kind of philosophy and make that part of the show. And so the beauty of every show is that it's kind of like a Grateful Dead concert. Everyone is different. And you know that we'll always play a game and we'll always tell a story. But everything that happens in between is kind of special to that night. And so it's something that we really want to pass on to people. Is like, even if you've seen this before, even if you've watched the show online before, it's something completely different because this is going to have, you know, it's the two of us that are interacting with each other when we do it on the couch. This is going to be us interacting with the audience. So it truly is a live show. And coming from that, do you guys have experience then or training in improv? Because presumably a lot of thinking on your feet would have to occur during these shows. Oh, yes. Yes, no, I mean, I, I, I trained with the Groundlings uh, years ago. I did theater, I did stand-up, and I think if you can do stand-up comedy, any time, you know, in front of a live crowd, I mean, Troy was, is, is a musician and has played in front of people live. You know, it's just, it's, uh, improv's best life is improv, you know? I mean, and, and I think uh, the beauty of improv is it doesn't always have to work to be enjoyable. Sometimes, you know, falling flat on your, your your face and laughing about it and being human about it, uh, the audience is going to enjoy that just as much. You know, you just if you can uh, convey a set if, if you if your audience trusts you, if your audience is just there having a good time. Uh, I mean, there, there's an expectation to be entertained, and uh, I don't think there's any written rule on how people. Uh, come to put that smile on their face so we, we just we know how to put a smile on your face and oftentimes we find new ways through the improv to put a smile on people's face and uh that's all we we ever hope to do well it certainly sounds like a great night out and as i said that is also so that's a separately ticketed event but you're here for supernova and that's on in melbourne and the gold coast first two weekends of april what do you guys love about doing conventions Man, I'm not going to lie. I love games. I love making games. But the one thing that conventions really afford is the opportunity to be face-to-face with people and hear them say, hey, here's what this thing that you were a part of making has meant to me. And it reminds us that we're a part of a community, um, that we're not alone, and that there's a lot of nerds out there that we can geek out with, um, that we get really excited about the things that we're a part of. And especially with this new show, we have no idea if people are watching it. And to 
sit across from a table and from someone to go, hey, last week's episode really meant a lot to me because I was going through a hard time. There, there's just no other way to, to have that kind of interaction. So that may sound a little self-serving, but it just really helps us and, and keeps us focused as to why we do what we do. It certainly sounds like a wonderful experience. And I know that everyone here is very excited to have you guys in Australia for Supernova and for the Retro Replay live shows. Now, just before I let you go, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the voiceover artist industry? I mean, I think I gave some pretty great advice once at, I think it was the Dice Awards. I said, you need to save up your money, buy a good microphone, and then wait for Nolan North and I to die. Yeah, that's the path to success. <laughs> the only thing I, I, I tell, my son's 19, he's become an actor, and the one thing I teach him and that any actor, and it's not just voice acting, it's, uh, you know, I use this in my on-camera stuff, I use it in anything, is every individual is unique, and that uniqueness makes you special. And... Only you can play you. So I think for any actor to find any role, find that the part of you. Have you played that role? And now uh, it may be a different name, might have a different hair color, whatever. But find, you know, be comfortable in who you are as an individual, and find and find a piece of you in that. Put infuse as much of yourself into every role that you're you're auditioning for or that you you're, you're playing. And uh, and know that that's the one thing that will, will you know make you uh, make it different from any what anybody else can do, and know that re- you know you're never you know you're never rejected for a part. Somebody else was just more right, and just move on to the next one because eventually, if you trust yourself and you trust the process. Uh, your time will come. Well, Troy, Nolan, thank you both so much for your time today, your wise words of wisdom, and we cannot wait to see you out here in Australia in early April. Us as well, man. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That was the lovely Nolan North and Troy Baker. As I said, they'll be in Supernova. I'll be at Supernova. It's going to be great. If you're in Melbourne or the Gold Coast in the next couple of weeks, uh, head head on down. So this weekend, the first weekend of April, we are up in Melbourne uh, and then over to the Gold Coast the weekend after. So if you're around, come say hi. There'll be lots of panels and exciting things going on. Uh, but in the meantime, don't forget to thank all of our supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles, ZQ Racing. All their details are on the website. And follow me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all the regular places. Look for Benjamin Mayer McKay. I'll be back with another exciting interview later in the month. Until then, bye for now.